Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. Who are Kenyatta and Jack? We're just friends who are Gen Xers, former Air Force brats, parents, taxpayers, and citizens of the Earth. And we're here to save it one podcast at a time. Welcome to another episode of Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. If you've been listening to us regular, regularly, excuse me, then you'll know that I am Kenyatta. And with me, as always, is the infamous Jack. Hi, Jack. Hello, Kenyatta. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. How have you been? I've been doing well. Been doing well. Good. You know, just loving life. Yeah. But that, I guess that's it. <laughs> It's enough. Yeah. I mean, it, it, nowadays, it really is enough. It's just chaos everywhere. Just keep your head about you. That's true. That's true. You know, that's it's just the way the world is at the moment. It is. Oof. Yeah, it absolutely is. But yeah. Um. So, correcting myself from last episode, we are indeed in our fourth episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're and going to talk about some Christmas memories. Indeed. <laughs> Yeah, and if anybody was doubting how long Kenyatta and I have known each other and that maybe we were bullshitting you, we're about to break some stuff down for you. We'll mm-hmm. prove you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts like this. Imagine, if you will, an Air Force base in the state of Oklahoma. And on that Air Force base was an elementary school full of kids whose dads and mothers were in the Air Force. And imagine there was a music teacher who secretly wanted to direct Broadway plays. And this music teacher went by the name of Mrs. Shackelford because that was her name. She'd spend all summer going over Christmas plays, picking which would be the right one to perform that year at Christmas time. In October, she would introduce the songs that would be sung by the various grades and the various groups. And then she would have tryouts for the leads. And after school, those that got the leads would practice while the rest of us just learned our songs in music class. She would get the parents and the moms that sewed to make costumes for all of the various kids, especially for the kids whose mothers did not sew. And I believe it was always the Friday before Christmas break started that we would perform that play for all of the parents. It was her night to shine. She would of course play the piano for all of the songs and all of the kids absolutely hated it because it was not fun for us Mm-mm. not one iota of a squidge of a smidge of a bit maybe the kids that were the leads enjoyed it mm. the rest of us did not especially those of us in the chorus yes in my sixth grade year which was the one and only year i performed in said musical because i didn't move there until fifth grade and i didn't have time we did a little play called Christmas on Mars. Apparently, Rudolph took a left in Albuquerque and he ended up on Mars and Santa decided that he needed to bring toys to the kids on all of the planets. And each grade was a different planet in the solar system. And I, actually, I believe Kenyatta might have been too, because she was a, a background singer, but we were aliens from the planet Neptune and we all did a magic trick. And Kenyatta wore a nice blue dress that still haunts her dreams. To this day. 
But oh, there has never been an elementary music school teacher that was happier and more excited to torture the children of a school than Mrs. Shackelford. It was amazing. And all of the parents loved it. Mm, yeah. Whew. Yeah? Are you going to be able to sleep tonight, Kenyatta? Um. Take a sleeping pill maybe now that I've brought up that horrible memory. Um, sleeping pill, maybe, maybe some, some chewy NyQuil sleep aid, something, something. <laughs> it, tomorrow's Friday, I can stumble through today at, at half speed and I'll be fine. I, I probably will. I'll, I'll probably need something to slow my brain down. It's just, it's nonsense. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mrs. Shackelford was, was big on that. She, that was her time to shine. I can only hope that at some point in her life, she did get to see some Broadway musicals in person, even though I she do. wouldn't have got to direct them. True, and I, I, I do too. And I mean, I mean, being children, of course, we had plenty of things to say that weren't necessarily nice. But in retrospect, I, I commend the fact that she was so dedicated to her craft. I don't, it's, it's hard to have when you get a little bit older, especially when you have kids of your own, it's hard to be mad at, at teachers who take what they yeah. do seriously. Yeah, no. And, I and, just and, about kids hate it. Oh it yeah, oh yeah. It, I mean, like I said, in retrospect, like, like I said, the talk about the dress. Yeah, it was, it was something else. But at the same time, I like, like I said, it, I think for her, like you said, it was just a way to fulfill her, her dreams and what she wanted to do on a small scale way. And I yeah. can't, I can't hate her for it because a lot of people don't even come that close. So yeah, I don't, I don't really hate her either. I, I was no. sort of joking about all of that. But oh no. Was, I know that. Hopefully, yeah. you know, our audience does too. Just a bit of joshing. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun time. And then after we came back from Christmas break, I'll, I'll never forget this. I was banned in music class from singing. I had to lip sync because my voice changed before everybody else. Oh, wow, I don't recall that. I and it bothered the people that were around me when we sang. Oh, and my gosh. So <laughs> she told me to lip sync. And I was like, oh, okay. Works for me. Wow, I don't remember that at all. That's crazy. Yeah, and didn't we also, for end of the year, wasn't there a thing where all of the sixth grade got together and we sang We Are the World? Yes. That I do remember vividly. Out of out of all the things that were done in Miss Shackleford's music class, I remember that vividly. And everybody wanted to sing that one part. Um and I don't remember who it was that had that line, which singer had that line, but it was a it was a higher pitched line. Mm-hmm. And there were so many people that just they just swore they knew how to sing that line right. I mean, come on, we're grade school kids. Not not one of us yeah. was going to be was gonna be cutting a record anytime in the future. Somebody may have. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't kept up with everybody. It may have happened, but yeah. I, yeah. I think it was the Cindy Lauper part. She yeah. says, well, yeah. well, well, or something like that. Everybody wanted to get that because she had that the distinctive squeaky voice. And everybody wanted to get that line. She was in the shock would be like, no, 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 no. She would just stop everybody. Yeah. And, and just give you the eyeball. <laughs> there were like certain people that got solos that could actually sing. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, well, if I'm going to, if I can't be Willie Nelson, I don't want to do it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> The funny thing about her plays is the next year when we were in seventh grade, my brother still went to Tinker. His grade were snowmen 
and they were supposed to go up there. They sang a song, and then the sun came out, and all the snowmen melted. Mm. And so each snowman's, you know, they're all sort of melting together, and then they laid on the ground when they melted. My brother dragged his melt on for like 10 minutes. He, he would not stop. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he just kept <laughs> melting. And then you can hear Mrs. Shackleford going, hurry up. <laughs> hurry up. And Tim was just like, no, this is my moment to shine. I'm going to melt as long as I absolutely can. Mm-mm-mm. He was clearly made of sturdier snow than the other, the other snowmen in that group. Obviously, yes. <laughs> Obviously. Oof. Yeah. Over some times, but yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we are the world was a standout memory for me in music class, most indeed. Yeah, yeah. Of course, the other thing Mrs. Shackelford had us do. So the way it, the way it worked at Tinker was half of the the grade would go to music on Monday, while the other half went to gym, mm-hmm. and then you reversed for Tuesday, and then the you know Monday. So you went Monday, Wednesday, like music, or Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday, music, and vice versa with gym. But Friday, it was combined. Right. And we danced. Remember that? Teach a square dancing. Oh, yeah. Maypole dancing. The maypole was something else. I mean. Yeah. Square dancing was actually kind of fun. I I wouldn't admit that at the time. But in in years since, I found square dancing to be quite entertaining. Yeah, I I remember the gym teacher, Mr. Samara, though, we would be doing dances, and I think he was as miserable as the kids were. I think that was just his default move. Because, <laughs> like, everything we did, he was always fussing. And I'm, I'm like, is it the shorts that he generally wore during the spring and fall? Well, yeah, because he wore those <laughs> 1980s uh, shorts that all, like, coaches wore, the coaching shorts. Yes. <laughs> yeah, go go and find a picture of Barry Switzer from the 1980s. He's wearing the pants version of that. Well, there were shorts version of that as well. And our mm-hmm. gym teacher always wore them. Yep, that and a pullover polo of some sort and a whistle. Yeah. That was yeah. his default uniform. And I, I, just, I just feel strongly that misery was just his default mood. And, and it was infectious. Just... <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I secretly feel he might have got in the kick out of the days that we played dodgeball, though. Well, I got a kick out of the days we played dodgeball. I did not. Because I might have been a little faster than some, but I had no strength. I couldn't lob that ball. I wasn't going to mm-hmm. hit nobody, not for real. So I just stayed out of the way. And if I could if I could time it to where I could get hit but not hit hard and just put myself out early, mm-hmm. all the better. All oh, the better. Yeah, I, no, I, was, I was in it to win it. <laughs> if someone left with a broken arm a black eye from a ball I threw I felt that it was a job well done the kids waking up the <laughs> next morning and they got like a a pie sized bruise on their yeah. back because they got pegged in <laughs> yeah yeah that was good old good old good old days when you could beat the crap out of each other in games in school yeah I miss those times. <laughs> Children are so sensitive nowadays. <laughs> I know. Gosh, they just none of them can take a beating anymore from their fellow classmates. Ugh. You remember field day though? Yeah. That was the that was the highlight of the year for real. Yeah. Especially when you got put in one of the little metal barrels and rolled down the hill. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Tinker, my sister, when she was in 
kindergarten or first grade. She was playing on, you know, at the time they called it like a big toy. I think is what it was. But she was on there and she slipped off the monkey bars and fell and broke her arm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Once again, yeah, I don't. I don't even. Do they have playgrounds with stuff like that at schools anymore? Monkey bars and such. Yeah. That uh, well, at least when my kid was younger, yeah. And 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 uh, interestingly enough, a kid tried to pull her down from the monkey bars, and she was hanging upside down, mm-hmm. and she fell and broke her leg. Ah. That's hmm. even worse than an arm. Yeah, that was that was wild stuff. <laughs> yeah, the joys of parenting. Indeed, I just I don't know. Was it was it? Did we actually have that much fun as children? Was it really that fun? Because it just seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I guess we had had more fun. I always felt we were kind of lucky because being on an air force base, it was like a city within a city. So we were insulated from like the outside world mm-hmm. and sometimes i think that maybe strangely we got away with things that we might not have got away with you know outside like in normal city situations because while we did crap the other parents that lived on base housing somehow almost knew the other parent from some weird way yeah. And other parents were not. Military parents in the 1980s were not afraid to slap you if you were, you know, upside the head if you were being bad. And they did not care whose kid you were. <laughs> At the very least, they were going to go find your, they were going to go find your parents and be like, uh, yeah. <laughs> do you know what this one did today? Yep. And you stand, you stand in there, like in my case, you know, with the girls, a lot of us wore, if we wore dresses or something, we used to wear the little, the cute little socks that folded over with the lace trim. Mm-hmm. And we we go out and play at recess, and then we come home, and the top layer of sock is covered in that red dirt. Yeah. And then you flip the fold up, and it's still snow white underneath there. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, it was always amazing too, because if you did something, some parent would go over there, and you're like, "But your dad is in like second squadron, and my dad's in AWACS, and they're not even in the same thing. How do?" How, how do they know each other? It doesn't matter. The fact is, they know each other. Somebody knows yeah. something somewhere. Because my yeah. dad was AWACS. So, yeah. It, it didn't matter. Somebody knew somebody from somewhere in some kind of random way. Yep. That is, is that is true. And that that's just absolutely wild. I, and the fact that my mother worked at the school. Mm-hmm. She distinctly remembers several times where my teachers would come down there to discuss my behavior. They don't want to, you know, set up a, a parent-teacher meeting. They would come bug her and she's in the, on the clock working. She was like, that just, that was stuff would just irritate me so bad. I said, I know. They had nothing to complain about. It irritated me too. They should have just kept that to themselves. Basically. <laughs> I don't know what the problem was. <laughs> Oh man! But yeah, that was sixth grade. I was reading a book, and I had like three chapters left. Mm-hmm. And I got up and I was like, oh, "Man, I don't want to wait to after school." So I, I just didn't go to school. I ditched. Mm. <laughs> and so my mom had to go to school for something with one of my siblings, and she bumped into uh, Mrs. Terry, my teacher. She was like, "How's Jack?" And my mom's like, "He's okay." 
And then she came home and I was there and she was like, wait a minute. She's like, that's why she asked me how you were. She thought you were sick. And I was like, I, I was. I feel much better now. <laughs> <laughs> but I did finish the book. Well, that was the whole point. Well, yeah, that's why I stayed home. <laughs> exactly. I mean, everything else is irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was a situation where I was reading a book that I should not have been reading. Mm. Because remember the Chevy Chase movie, Fletch? Yes. Well, that, that was based on a series of books. And mm. my dad had them. And so I wanted to read one of the books. That's what I was reading was the first Fletch book. Interesting. Okay. Which sixth graders have no business reading Fletch. The book. No, yeah, no business watching the movie either, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's not be harsh, Kenyatta. <laughs> I mean, I mean, basically, that's when I watched it for the first time. It may not have been that early, but it was. I was still in my formidable years, and I, I found it absolutely hilarious. The the funny thing was like book five or six or something in the series came out and my dad went and checked it out from the library so he could read it and i was like oh cool you got the next book in the fudge series and my dad's like yeah and i said well when you're done let me read it before you take it back to the library and my dad's like what do you mean and i'm like well i read the other ones so now i want to see what happens in this one and my dad's like you've read the other books <laughs> i was like yeah and he's like don't tell your mom and he just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Those were fun times. They were. But they fun. were. I guess yeah. we should move a, move along. Oh, I want to say real quick mm -hmm. if, to, to our listeners, if you ever hear me saying we need to move along or whatever, that's because I'm also the producer and I keep an eye on the clock and all of that stuff. It's not me being bossy or jerky or controlling. It's just producer side of my brain is having to kick in because otherwise, Kenyatta and I will go on like a 400 hour long podcast. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, moving on, <laughs> we were next going to discuss some of our favorite Christmas movies. Woohoo! Mm -hmm. So, what, what is your favorite? I don't have one. Or several. Yes, I'm always like that. Every time somebody says, what is your favorite? So I'm like, I don't have one favorite of anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just not wired that way. But uh, let me reference here. I want to start. Hmm, this may be a controversial choice. And that's fine because I invite it. Mm -hmm. Trading Places with Eddie Murphy, yeah. Dan Aykroyd, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Now, some people may argue that it is not a Christmas movie. I, I, I don't agree. I never have. It takes place during the Christmas season. That's right. Hence all the Christmas decorations and the, mm -hmm. the one hilarious scene where a drunken, disillusioned Dan Aykroyd busts into the, the Christmas dinner in a dingy Santa suit and steals a fish. Yeah, eats, eats it, <laughs> eats it with his bare hands on the bus. <laughs> so this is most definitely a Christmas movie, even though it actually starts during the Christmas season and moves on into the new year. Right. As anybody who has seen the movie knows, yeah. but I consider it a Christmas movie. Jamie Lee Curtis's character had a little Christmas tree in her little apartment. Yeah, it counts. Did. Yeah, it, it counts. And I mean, 
I'm what not going to argue. Die Hard and Lethal Weapon are Christmas movies to me. So Correct. And the, the fact that at its core, Trading Places is a story about redemption mm-hmm. and uh, overcoming assumptions and believing in your fellow man. Mm-hmm. But the real joy of it is the ability to bankrupt two obnoxious millionaires in a matter of hours. If you, yes. can't, if you can't bring in the new year like that, I don't know what else you can do. <laughs> yeah, but Prince, now my mind is drawing a blank in coming to America, though. He, he got him back in the game. He did. He did. Yes, he said, we're back. And he said, what? What? Leave me alone. Well, we're back. Hmm. You know, I read somewhere they almost didn't get that scene. They almost could, couldn't convince those two actors to come back and do that small scene. But I'm so glad they did. Oh, wow. That's was, awesome. It's absolutely hilarious. But yes, I absolutely consider Trading Places one of my favorite Christmas movies by far. I, I always love him. Arsenio, he's like, and he's known for playing sexual chocolate. <laughs> Ooh, on a, I mean, on an ADD tangent. No, but I, I agree. I actually agree. That one is funny. Yeah. <laughs> that one's absolutely funny. I can't fault you for liking, for liking trading spaces. That's, it's a classic. It is. I mean, in, I mean, we're talking about the 80s. So granted, there are pieces of it that quote unquote didn't age well, but right. let's just be clear about it. The comedic genius of Eddie Murphy is on full display. Dan Aykroyd was funny in his own way, but mm-hmm. the genius of what was Eddie Murphy on his come up oh. is so very apparent in this movie. It's nonsense. Yeah, that was during peak Eddie Murphy time. Oh, yeah. That was that was definitely a game at his peak, funny as hell, coming off Saturday Night Live. But I don't think he had done Forty Eight Hours or Beverly Hills Cop yet. Not not yet, I don't think. But the fun one of the funniest parts in that movie to me was when when the brothers had you know cooked up the whole scheme and brought him in and you know put him in a suit and put him in the office and they were explaining. Uh, how the stock game goes mm-hmm. and they're talking to him like he's a five-year-old like, inherent bias and they're talking to him as though he he doesn't understand how the game is played which he does right and he does a very interesting there's an interesting part where he what he does what they call break the fourth wall they're talking real slow and simple to him and he turns and looks at the camera and smirks mm-hmm. and then turns and looks at them again that scene tickles me every single time because he's like he's letting the audience in on the joke that these two really think i'm stupid and i'm thinking like well he can't be stupid he's broke but he's not stupid because he's out there hustling he's not a good hustler but he's not stupid yeah yeah and and clearly he's to have come up with the scheme that he did with dan ackward's character obviously the man was not stupid. He just yeah. wasn't a great hustler. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, well he, well, he was a great hustler. He was just great at long format, big hustles. Okay. He wasn't good at getting dollar bills from people hustling that way. True. He True. was good at getting $100 bills. <laughs> I stand corrected. You're right. Yes. Yes. But he wasn't dumb. As, as evidenced by the scene in, in, the, in the jail, when yeah. he manages to talk his way out of some damage and, and of course good timing because someone come and bailed him out but yeah yeah 
he, he was a great uh, three-point shooter, but he couldn't shoot a free throw to save his life. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's the perfect analogy. That's it. That's exactly it. But yes, that that is one of my favorites, and I I will stand I will stand by that as long as I can remember that it exists. So yes, I, I support you in that decision wholeheartedly. Thank you. So, what is one of your favorite Christmas movies? My all-time favorite Christmas movie, without a doubt, is Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I love that movie. I've seen it a gazillion times, but it's 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 also very sentimental because mm-hmm. my dad's birthday was on December twenty-third. Mm, okay. And growing up, my my dad's family did not have money, and mm-hmm. he never had birthday presents because they could afford to get him christmas presents or birthday presents but not both Mm -hmm. so he always had christmas and very seldom did he have birthday presents and you know that affects you when you're an adult yeah so so when my parents were married mom always tried to make sure that dad had you know birthday presents and we'd have cakes and stuff for his birthday and then after my parents divorce and my dad was married to my stepmom we would always go and do Christmas with him on the 23rd. But what we would do is the first half of the evening would be dad's birthday. So he'd mm-hmm. open up his presents, we'd eat, we'd have cake, and then we'd go and sit down and watch Christmas vacation. And when <laughs> Christmas vacation was over, it was now Christmas time. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that was our, that was our thing. And we did that for many, many years. So not only is Christmas vacation just funny as all get out yeah there's also that memory that you know that ties in with it and my dad passed away in 2003 but i still you know watch that movie and think about think about the old man oh yeah i can see why definitely and plus it's just there are so many thousands of quotes in that movie almost every line is quotable every single one and we, we were talking earlier about all the I like to call them like background sight gags. Mm-hmm. So of course there's the one in the in the department store with the dog food. <laughs> yeah. But the other one I, I just now am remembering is near the beginning where they go to fetch the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And of course it's oversized for the house, but right. Clark Griswold will not let that deter him. No, no. But um there was a god awful amount of sap coming out of the tree so as they're they're getting ready to go to bed that night clark is reading the magazine and his hands keep sticking to the pages and he can't get them off yeah and his <laughs> wife is it. tearing the pages <laughs> off his hands and then he goes to kiss her good night and his hand gets stuck in her hair and <laughs> <laughs> that's actually also related to the tree one of my favorite the two snooty yuppie neighbors pull yes. over and he's all where are you going to put a tree that large clark or griswold He's like, bend over and I'll show you. And he's like, how dare you talk to me like that? And he's like, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> and then the girlfriend's like, oh. and of course, the, the girlfriend is uh, Julie Lewis-Dreyfus, who is yep. a comedic genius all by herself. Yeah. But uh, yes, those those scenes with the yuppie couple are hilarious, especially when he's turning the house lights on and yeah. they keep getting blinded and they're falling all over the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i can't remember what he says the boyfriend says what's going on and she's like i don't know brad (laughs) all right (laughs) i've always i've always cracked up after cousin eddie kidnaps his boss mr shirley 
<laughs> and the wife goes to call the police and she's all, he was a big beastly bulging man in a blue laser suit. <laughs> and then the SWAT team shows up. <laughs> he says it like maybe she was oddly attracted to it. <laughs> maybe. That's the impression. I can't say it was the impression I got the first time and in repeated viewings. I'm like, yeah, there's something there. There's not, <laughs> it's not just fear and repulsion here. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Not at all. But of course, like I said, I don't, I don't know that there's, there's, there's different kind of funnies in all those scenes, but yeah, the speech that he gives when he gets his Christmas bonus of the Jelly of the Month Club. <laughs> Woo! That, that's one for the books right there. <laughs> I, I still, to this day, if somebody like opens something up and it, you know it'll be a gift card, and I'm like, is it an enrollment in the Jellies of the Month Club? <laughs> I always find that funny. My wife finds it funny. My brother-in-law finds it funny. <laughs> I think my sister finds it funny, and I think it stops there. <laughs> so it's just the family then. <laughs> yeah, the rest of them can get a sense of humor. I find it funny. So there's that. <laughs> I find it absolutely hilarious. The jelly, of the mud club. And he's yeah. just standing there with the little, with the little fake check, like jelly at the mud club. <laughs> and, and Eddie's all, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year through Clark. <laughs> Randy Quaid was a gem in these vacation movies. I don't care what anybody says. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. He's, he's got absolute... a little bit of Mississippi leg hound in him. And once he gets going, it's just best to let him finish. He did the little hand gest hand gestures, <laughs> and of course the the little Wally World mugs that they're drinking the egg. Yeah. <laughs> He's just yakking on a bone. <laughs> and, and let's not forget the black dicky that Eddie is wearing under his see-through white sweater. <laughs> his fake turtleneck. Thing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> his his fake turtleneck dicky that he has on. You can see straight yeah. through it. Absolutely yeah, horrible. yeah that that movie's great it's one of those sentimental things that it's not sad sentimental it's happy sentimental it is even even to this day it's just it's hilarious and of course the running gag about having different actors play rusty and um and all the audrey yeah. yeah so yeah that that's always been hilarious to me yeah when they announced that they were doing the rusty as an adult vacation Mm -hmm. and they announced who the actor was because there was people that wanted jonathan galecki from big bang theory because he plays the son in christmas vacation to do the dad and they announced that it was uh, i can't think of his name the guy who did it and at first i was like man they should have got him i was like no 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 you have to have a different rusty in every movie you so have that to. that's on point it's on brand mm -hmm. which that has some there's a particularly funny scene with chris hemsworth later on i don't know if you've ever seen that movie but i have not i, I remember who i think it was ed helms yeah ed helms yep because yep. i remember him from the hangover yeah so but i never did see vacation i i, I don't know why that was but the, um the scene where because audrey's married to the younger dude and it's chris hemsworth and they're going to bed and he's wearing like a speedo it, it's just hilarious mm -hmm. <laughs> I might have to check that. I might put that on the list and check that out. Yeah. And then, of course, Vegas vacation where Rusty kept winning all the cars. Oh, yeah. Oof. 
Clark couldn't win for anything, and Rusty couldn't not win vehicles. And then let's not forget the often misunderstood second installment, National Lampoon's European Vacation. Yep. Woo, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those were some solid, solid films. Oh, boy. Yep. So do you have uh, another Christmas movie you wanted to throw I down? I do. And it's, I won't, I won't say, I won't admit to cheating and trying to do a twofer, but it's an interesting correlation with these, between these two movies. Mm-hmm. A Christmas Story. Can't go wrong with that. Uh-uh. And Black Christmas. Black Christmas. I Black, Chris- Black Christmas was 1974. Okay. And between that movie and the original Halloween, those okay. two effectively ushered in the slasher horror genre. Okay, okay. I was thinking for a minute that it was maybe like a 70s black exploitation film. Mm-mm. And I thought, wow, that was just bold shoving that in the, in the <laughs> title. <laughs> they ain't even screwing around there. <laughs> but yeah, now, now that you're saying it's the, a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the correlation between the two is that they were directed by the same director. Well, you the, know, once you ruin one holiday, you might as well ruin them all. You Really? And he, he also directed that 80s summer camp classic, Porky's. Mm-hmm. So I thought that yeah. very interesting to hear quite an eclectic list of, of movies. But um, I dig Black Christmas because it's a horror movie. I'm not a fan necessarily of slasher movies. Mm-hmm. But there's just like you said, there's just something, if it's done right, there's just something interesting about spoiling the holidays. Yeah, and yeah. What better way to do that than to have a homicidal maniac hiding out in the sorority house, picking yeah. off the sorority sisters one by one? Yeah, I mean, who hasn't wanted to do that to a sorority house? Indeed. And I mean, <laughs> and let me just say that it had Margot Kidder, which mm-hmm. was, was an interesting pick. Right. Future Lois and Lane. Future Lois Lane. And I believe her name was Olivia Hussey. She actually played Juliet. In the 1960-ish mm. movie version of Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. So I had seen it a very long time ago and only revisited it earlier this year. And I was reminded, yeah, I, I can see why this one is like a standard bear right. in, the horror, in the horror genre, especially in the horror holiday genre. Mm-hmm. So, And like I said, the correlation between that and the Christmas story with having the same director is you got, on the one hand, something horrible and and horrific going on on the holiday and then he turns around and brings out the most iconic of christmas movies ever mm-hmm. in a christmas story i mean really you know, shoot your eye out who hasn't though had a christmas where you're just thinking please god let someone just kill me <laughs> you know who, who hasn't occasionally had that thought when it, during when the it, holiday i i don't necessarily remember specifically growing up but when my daughter was younger and she's the only child of an only child so now she got pretty much every toy we could get our hands mm-hmm. on that she wanted and then when it came time to put stuff together it was like oh i don't i don't want to do this <laughs> right but it got done and she played with it for two weeks and sometime by the middle of january roughly 47 percent of it was an afterthought so yeah go figure there was one year for christmas my son got like seven 
Xbox games, and before he went back to school, he beat all of them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's... Like I said, for the most part, like, my Christmases were okay growing up, but... Yeah. And her, I mean, hers were too. It's just the joy of seeing your kids be happy, you know, how, no matter how often the basis for that happiness changes. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think one of those, one of those most endearing things that lasted from when I was younger up until, you know, I had my daughter when she was younger. And even, even now it's just sitting down every year and watching a doggone Christmas story. And I remember, I don't know if they still do it, but TBS yeah, used, they used to do nonstop. 24 hours of Christmas story on Christmas Eve. Yeah, they, they still, still do. do. Yep, yep, yep. That, we yep. always have it on in the background. Mm-hmm. I've always yep. found one of the funnier scenes because, you know, it's mostly known for the lamp and you'll shoot your eye out kid mm-hmm. and the soap scene. But on Christmas morning when they're unwrapping presents, the wife gives the dad uh, one of his gifts and it's clearly a bowling ball. <laughs> And she sticks it in his lap and it just like, you know, crushes his nuts. And he's like, he's like, thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's a bowling ball. I agree. Those, all of those are hilarious. Yeah. But the one that always, I don't know why it stuck out in my brain out of all the rest of the scenes was the Bumpus's dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The dogs would keep running through, and the father would curse at him incoherently. Papa says, "Put the, 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 the dogs." Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I, the, uh, they yeah, they, no. they they took their Christmas dinner, and they ended up having to have duck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love when the tire goes flat, and Ralphie's talking about his dad's ability to cuss. Mm-hmm. He's all, "My dad worked in curse words the way some." geniuses worked in oils or clay a true master <laughs> a genius <laughs> like the awe in which he did the the and that i think that was actually the author of the book um was it a book wasn't it based on a book i think yeah that did the over the over narration the way he would do actually, that actually it was based on a short story that was in playboy magazine that's right yes and it was the writer that did the over narration. And it was it was so funny to hear the sincerity he had when he would do it, especially that scene with the flat tire. <laughs> yeah. Or like when, when the dad went down the basement to deal with the heater and <laughs> he saw the black smoke coming out of it. <laughs> the mom calls the friend. She's all, Ralphie said. And the mom's like, oh, dear. And she's all, well, do you know where he heard it? And the other mom's like, probably from his father. And she's like, no, from your son. <laughs> and then the you mom just goes nuts. <laughs> she screams. <laughs> you just hear that poor kid getting the getting the crap beat out of Mom, him. I didn't do oh, I didn't do it. <laughs> and you can't forget a double dog dare you. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that movie is also a, another Christmas classic. Absolutely. It's just Everything about it is just on point. And that's even though well, I think it was the 80s that, that, that he did mm-hmm. that. And it's set in the, what, 50s? 50s. Early yeah. 50s. That, that still, to me, it still holds up well. Because it's oh, like, yeah. he, I mean, he's talking about anybody's family, really. Well, yeah. Any, any, any little kid in anybody's family around the holidays. What kid I, doesn't want to, you know, there's always that one gift every year that a kid wants. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just in that one. It's the 
the Red Rider BB gun. But every every kid has that one thing they want that year. Yeah. That's why it's so relatable. It really is. It really is. And then where he has the Ralphie has the uh the daydream about paying his parents his paying his parents back for washing his mouth out. He's <laughs> at the was. door blind and, they, and his dad was like, What was it, son? He was like, It was what what it was soap poisoning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that movie is so perfect. It really yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. I love so what's, that. So, what's another one of your uh, your favorites? Well, sort of like you, because there is the debate of just because it takes place at Christmas time, is it a Christmas movie? Because both Lethal Weapon and Die Hard take place during the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, for the most part, I like those two movies that we mentioned. I like Elf, and there's not a whole lot of other ones that I really like because they're all sort of the same sort of gimmick. I like the Santa Claus, the first one with Tim Allen. I thought mm-hmm. it was original, and it's funny, mm-hmm. and I like Elf, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I love them, but I do love Die Hard. Sure. To the point to where one year I was like, I'm going to make a Christmas ornament. So at work, I got one of the boxes that file folders come in, and I went and I cut it. I printed off a picture of Bruce Willis in the vent, you know, mm-hmm. when he was up there. So I made this little box, and my wife, she had to run to Home Depot to get something, and I was like, I need you to get me a can of silver spray paint. She's like, what? And I'm like, I, I just need it. But I didn't want to tell her, because I, you know how you know your spouses sometimes and how they're going to react to stuff. And I didn't want to hear, with that's stupid. <laughs> so I just need it. And so she came back with it. And so then I had my little thing and I went and spray painted it and had it all, you know, dry. And then I glued the Bruce Willis in the back. And then I hung it from my Christmas tree every year. <laughs> oh, and speaking yeah. of which, it's some, and it was, that was on my list as well. And it was interesting because... I just happened to come across a convenient ad that popped up in my Facebook yesterday of a t-shirt and it has the iconic shot of Alan, um, Alan Ruckman. When that is Alan Rickman. Yeah. When he's fallen, Mm -hmm. the t-shirt says it's not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls from Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah. Yeah. Someone made an advent calendar and every time you open it up, uh, Hans Gruber falls down one more flight of stairs or one more flight of the building. That's absolutely awesome. I mean, what can you, the whole, the whole reason why you can say with definitive, with definitive ease that this is a Christmas movie is that that's the reason John McClane was in LA to begin with. It was Christmas and he's visiting his wife and child. Hello. Exactly. Exactly. There was a company Christmas party going on. Hello. Now lethal weapon is the first one is at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And that when I say more is less a Christmas movie because it just takes place during that time. Because mm-hmm. my wife and I, every year, we, we discuss this when stations play the 24 hours of Christmas music. And because we both worked in retail for a long time, neither one of us really liked Christmas music. Mm-hmm. But there's the Wham! song, Last Christmas. 
Oh, yeah. And it always gets played. I'm like, but it's not really a Christmas song. It mentions Christmas. But it's about a girl that, like, dumped the dude. Mm-hmm. It's not really a Christmas song. It takes place in, during Christmas time. And that's sort of how Lethal Weapon is to me. But I do consider Die Hard a Christmas movie because he was there for the Christmas party. Exactly. I don't understand how anybody can argue this point. I just, I just, I just, I can't, I can't. Yeah. Hands down. I but, mean, I, I, I agree with Lisa Weapon. It just happens to take, and I remember that one of the opening scenes where, you know, there's the fight in the Christmas tree yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's probably one of the most, or, or the overt references to Christmas, but mm-hmm. it was, it was more like, yeah, it just happened to be that time of the year. And that was before Gary Busey had his wreck and went nuts. Oh, well, there you go. Just a simple sort of aside to that. My wife has met Gary Busey. Has she? Yeah. Hmm. One of the joys of working in a museum in Oklahoma, because Gary Busey's from Oklahoma. I think we discussed this once. Yeah. That's right. She Hmm. has some interesting stories about him. That's for a podcast of a different day. (laughs) I, I imagine a lot of people have interesting stories about Gary Busey. That is probably a very common statement. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, just from an observer, just, you know, being an admitted fan of celebrity gossip, I have read some strange stories about Gary Busey. So I can't imagine what it would be to actually meet that man in person. Yeah. You get to hang out with them for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the people that were doing the exhibit, they spent, hours with them on multiple occasions and they have the really interesting stories Hmm. so yeah indeed yeah anyway (laughs) yeah so it's really weird like you know the whole miracle on 34th street and all that crap i don't i don't know what it is maybe maybe i'm a jaded gen xer i don't know but to me they're almost always the same thing so i guess there's the arnold schwarzenegger one where he's trying to get that toy for his son but jingle all the way yeah even that one's really just sort of average other than watching him and sinbad go at each other there is that i mean i think i watched that maybe once and i, I had some chuckles but i was like yeah i was like eh, yeah it's okay yeah. I, I can i can think of worse ways to spend an hour and 40 minutes it's not so bad but yeah. i'll tell you i'll tell you one that i only discovered a few years ago and it is now on my short favorite list mm-hmm. and it actually came out in 2008 it's actually a, some years ago. Four Christmases. Is, uh, that's more. That's a rom-com one, is it not? Yes. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn. Yeah. And like I said, I think I may have caught bits and pieces over the years up until I watched it all the way through last year. Mm-hmm. Finally, I laughed my tail off. I was yeah. like, this is far funnier than it needs to be, especially Vince Vaughn. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. He's just, there's just something about him that lends itself to just nonsense goofiness. Yeah. And the fact that, and like the, you know, have you seen it? I have, but I haven't seen it since probably 2009 ish, 10 ish on HBO or something like that. It's, but I don't necessarily, <laughs> a lot of times if it's like a Christmas movie, I'm like, I'm out. Yeah, that that's kind of how I am. That that one caught me by accident, and, and and it caught me, and I'm like, okay, let me sit down and and see what the deal is. And it had me like 20 minutes, and I'm like, okay, I gotta watch the rest of this now and see what happens. It was yeah. just, it was like it was almost like slapstick funny. 
honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. um, they have to go, you know, they, they're trying to take an overseas trip. It gets canceled. And then they go visit each one of their now divorced parents. Right. And um, it just makes for like complete nonsense. Like everybody in, in each family is dysfunctional to some degree or another. And yeah. The fact that Vince Vaughn, they go and visit Vince Vaughn's character's dad's house first. His dad's played by Robert Duvall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they go visit his house first and they manage to be rednecks in California. I, I guess that exists. I don't know what you want to call them, but Vince Vaughn is like 6'5". And apparently yeah. he was known growing up as the runt and they called him Tiny. And then they still called him Tiny. Uh. <laughs> he had like two older brothers right. that teased him and stuff and that whole scene with that whole first visit to his father's house is just complete nonsense it's just it's too much That's I just, awesome. it is i have to go give it a try i i think you might like it it's, it's just it's <laughs> I, I can't i can't describe it i just want to leave you in suspense okay i was i would suggest go watch it all right if you just I, like I'll laughing at inappropriate stuff go I I like laughing at inappropriate stuff. Then go ahead and and get you a good drink and settle down and watch that. That's worth the time. All righty, all righty. That's funny. <laughs> well, producer Jack checking again in here. I think it's probably time that we wrap this bad boy up. All righty. But before we do, Kenyatta and I, because we feel that if we are going to name our podcast, Kenyatta and Jack save the world. We feel that we need to sort of play that forward. And if you go to our Facebook page, we both have a charity that we have selected as our cause that we would like people to donate to. If you want to, it's not a, you know, we don't hate you if you don't. We understand it's Christmas time, but we each have a charity that sort of is important to us. So, Kenyatta, why don't you t- uh, give a quick rundown of your charity and uh, the website if you don't have the website handy i wrote it down before we started recording okay my choice of charity is the black women's health imperative um, mm-hmm. and they can be found at bwhi.org mm-hmm. and they are the oldest national organization dedicated to improving the health and wellness of this country's black women and girls mm-hmm. and and I don't, I don't mean this facetiously or condescendingly or anything like that. But if you pay attention, um, you'd understand that anything that affects our society negatively tends to affect people of color in even more direct proportion. Right. So right. When, we, when we talk about health issues, um, we talk about the fact that Black women are affected more often than, let's say, white women or women of other ethnicities, like breast mm-hmm. cancer. Right. heart disease, um, postpartum care, mm-hmm. infant mortality, things of those nature. And this yes. organization is dedicated to working on improving those conditions. Yes. We're all you can go and look up the numbers. It's not just something that's out there uh, on, on a whole. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's the same for black males as well. Mm-hmm. Tend to go to the doctor less than their white counterparts. Mm-hmm. And when they do go for something, it's generally later. So something that may be in, uh, like, take prostate cancer. For a white guy, it prob- you know, say it's stage one that it gets found. But for uh, black males, it's usually like 
stage two or three. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing with women's health. That's just the thing I was on top of my head. So, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's actually accurate. And a lot of that um, has to do with some of it is cultural, but some of it is also limited access to quality mm-hmm. health care. Um, unfortunately, when a lot of us get to the doctor, uh, we're dismissed or mm-hmm. our symptoms are underplayed or we, we're diagnosed too late. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, there's a lot of factors that work against us as far as being able to take charge and take better control of our health. And that's what mm-hmm. the Black Women's Health Imperative does. So. Yes. So if you are so inclined, feel free to, uh, if you did not write that down once again, it is bwhi.org. If it's something you want to go to, and you can go to our Facebook page, uh, and there's a link for it on there as well. And what is so your mind choice? Is it's sort of something that I think also is quite important, and mm-hmm. I believe that there are tons of people in this country that having a service dog is it's a game changer for them, and what what you can and can't do. It, it, service dogs run the gambit of so many things some of them can detect if your blood sugar is getting low you know some of them help people where they can't grasp things and they can they can go and pay and the dog can hand debit cards and stuff back and forth mm-hmm. and obviously you know the traditional seeing eye dog um, but the one that i'm supporting stems from my love of great danes and i don't if you've listened you might know that i have a great dane and they're great dogs but this particular group is called the service dog project and they train great danes to be service dogs for people and a great dane because of their height and sort of build can do things that a smaller dog can't Mm -hmm. if somebody has stability issues a great dane is better at keeping that person stable than a, a shorter dog right and um that's what what I'm I'm supporting because it helps you know a lot of people and if you need a service dog you need a service dog and it, it's a great cause and then it's also great dogs because once you have a great name you never go back. <laughs> yes, I agree. That is a, a very important uh, yes charity to support. So again, if you're so inclined, please go to our Facebook page or directly to their site, which is Service Dog Project. Dot org and donate if you're so inclined or if nothing else um, about uh, his charity of choice or mine if nothing else just read up on it because I guarantee mm-hmm. you you'll probably learn something that you didn't know yesterday so yep yep that is true that is true so anyway that's our our pitch for charity but it is that time of the year so we felt that, that was something that we needed to talk about Absolutely. So anyway, I think we're going to go ahead and end the show because I have a ton of editing ahead of me. (laughs) If you've never edited, it takes a while. (laughs) Indeed. But anyway, uh, just sort of how we ended the episode last week. I know Kenyatta is going to echo this, but we hope everybody has a safe and happy uh, Christmas or whatever holiday it is you support or support celebrate this time of year and that you get to see family you haven't seen in a while and you get you know if there's that one gift that you 
you want your Red Rider BB gun. I hope you get it. <laughs> and I hope you don't run into any German terrorists in a skyscraper at your wife's Christmas party while barefoot. Mm-hmm. It's not I a hope, good look. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I hope you have a have happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. Um, as you said, I do definitely echo the sentiment. And I also, um, of course, wish everybody a safe, healthy, and peaceful holiday season. Um, protect your peace. I can't stress it enough. It's wild out there in these streets, you guys. So protect your peace, protect yourself, protect your loved ones. And yes, I hope everybody gets their version of a Red Rider BB gun instead of the awful pink bunny suit. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> But if you do get the pink bunny suit, please go and post a picture of you in it on our Facebook page. Absolutely. Please. <laughs> anyway, that's all from us for this episode. Yep. So we hope you guys have enjoyed. And as always, we welcome feedback and suggestions. So yep. take care, everybody. Yep. Bye. <laughs>